what kept you ex- excited to finish and what do you look forward to now? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a really, really good question that as well, because, you know, accounting is and accountants are, um, are seen to be boring, are seen to be, you know, not the most exciting industry and all that sort of stuff. And, and in the early years, I, I had a client who was sat in a meeting with me and um, he said to me, oh, sorry, he picked up the phone and he said to the person on the phone, I'm really sorry, I'm just in with my accountant. And I could hear the guy on the phone said, oh, that's a shame for you. You're tuned to the Rcast, where we talk about the blockchain on the Rcast and how your data remains the Rcast, where our drive is the topic, censorship resistant permanence. Yeah, we got it. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Rcast. This is episode 23 with Joe David of Mina. Mina is one of our enterprise clients, and they've been using our drive as a way to back up tax data for their cryptocurrency clients. So this episode is brought to you by Cryptodes. If you like NFTs of amphibians that are 8-bit pixelated, you're in luck. Be sure to keep competing in Inferno. We've got some news about that, and we've got some more information about RIO. So stay tuned. This is my interview with Joe David, a really cool, funny, interesting guy. This is his story of how we got into the world of cryptocurrency accounting, right here on the Rcast. I'm here with Joe David, who I linked with through Mina. Our driver has been working with them, and he's our first guest who comes from the accounting world. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, really well. Thanks Thanks for having me. And I think we've tried this a couple of times, haven't we? So this, it's good to finally get on here and get recording this with you. You must love traveling, right? Yeah, it's tough actually because I've got a young family. So um, it's not as, you know, it's not, and, and, and I had this conversation with a friend recently, it's not as glamorous as it, as it sounds traveling for business. So, you know, it sounds all, you know, uh, fancy and whatnot, but... Um, especially when you're traveling on your traveling on your own business expense, you don't get all of those, you know, first class tickets and uh, high flying things. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, 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 it's nice to be able to travel to places, but it's definitely not all it's cracked up to be. Do you have opportunity to connect with yeah, friends I mean, and stuff actually, when you I've travel? Got, you know, a lot of my um, friendship group, you know, we've stayed fairly close, and a lot of a lot of people that I know we've stayed, you know, fairly, you know. UK based. Um, so yeah, it is an opportunity to, um, you know, to, to, to reconnect with certain people. Um, but like I say, it tend to be taking the family around to a lot of places as well, so that I don't get too much trouble with my wife. So uh, yeah, it's, it's not too bad. British people are very, if you have something in common with them, they're very friendly, right? Americans are kind of like friendly in a way that might be gregarious and kind of maybe fake. But when a British person's nice to you, they authentically care. Do you think that might be true? Yeah, I, 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 I must say, I, I know, I know what you mean uh, from an American perspective. You know, when we've, we've had a couple of adverts on the or commercials, as you guys would say, uh, on the uh, on the on the TV that have deliberately played on the flamboyant, overly zealous, happy American kind of character, um, and then the not so overly zealous. Uh, you know boring uk guy so um you know it, i think i think you're right i think we we show our emotions um in in all different ways uh over here and you kind of know most of the time when you talk to us what you're getting from us that's yeah and that's and that's an, a hallmark of good business right because so much of the blockchain world is hype and you guys you do something that's very useful because it's not about the hype. It's like our drive in a way. It's, it's something that people will need hmm. if, the, if the Bitcoin's at 100,000 or if it's $5, right? Absolutely. And, and, and to be honest, you know, for us, it's about, 
there's a, there's a couple of angles to that. You know, the first is if it's 100 grand, they probably need to talk to us because they've probably made some gains and they probably need to plan for the reality of that. Um, and, and likewise, if it's five grand, they, they've probably lost money and they probably need to know the best way to, to mitigate any losses or to, to, to utilize those losses to offset against tax. So, you know, either way, they need us in the right way. You know, they need us to support them. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of that, especially at the moment. So you studied in Southwest England. What brought you, first of all, into finance world? So, um, so I actually didn't go to university as, as such, right? Um, so I, I dropped out of school um and wasn't really sure on what life was going to be for me i didn't know what i wanted didn't know how i wanted it etc um i i stumbled through a few jobs um and eventually stumbled on accounting as a as a career and it just genuinely happened to be i was working in an office and the you know the, the cfo at the time of that business said to me you know do you do you fancy kind of doing a bit more on the finance side and and do you want to kind of qualify if you like to be an accountant so at that time I had nothing really else in the plan so it was kind of like why not let's give it a go let's see what happens um so I did I did the, the um I did the the first level and then the second level I did as kind of night school if you like at the University of Gloucestershire um which is in the southwest as you said so my university was more doing my professional qualifications at evening time rather than actually experiencing the fun of university so you were those must have been very busy years yeah and I, as i was going in as i was going into my class all the uni students were going out to get drunk um <laughs> so yeah it was it wasn't the most entertaining of uh, experiences accounting and business it can be it can be exciting right like it's the gears that keeps keeps the world going uh, what's exciting about it like what kept you ex- excited to finish and what do you look forward to now you know, it's, it's a really, really good question that as well, because, you know, accounting is and accountants are um, are seen to be boring, are seen to be, you know, not the most exciting industry and all that sort of stuff. And, and in the early years, I, I had a client who was sat in a meeting with me and um, he said to me, oh, sorry, he picked up the phone and he said to the person on the phone, I'm really sorry, I'm just in with my accountant. And I could hear the guy on the phone said, oh, that's a shame for you. And then he was like, I'll speak to you later, right? Oh, and no. I sat there like, brilliant this is this is but but for me you know you know yes if you if you term yourself as an accountant or if you look at yourself as solely that number crunching individual then yes you know you are pigeonholing yourself into one area and you know no wonder people might say that you know that's not the most exciting for me knowing the numbers in your business is the most fundamental thing that any entrepreneur founder you know business owner um and to be honest senior executive level um, should know. So for me, I actually believe it to give me a huge advantage in business because I am savvy with numbers. I do understand how to how to manage my finances and how to run my business from a financial perspective. So I think for me, what it does is it helps drive the strategy. And if you look at it from a strategic ex- uh, kind of uh, level, then actually it's quite exciting because by by knowing the numbers and by knowing how to interpret them and how to use them to make decisions, I can really help or we as a business can really help businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, et cetera, make exciting decisions and grow their business into great things. So I think it's, it's looking at it in a slightly different angle and, and thinking more on the strategic side of it than just crunching the numbers. Mm. That's really interesting. Something that I've learned working in the hard drive world is that, so in terms of like marketing, engineers, they think good marketing is good documentation, right? Knowing how a program works. Uh, whereas like, 
people outside the engineering sphere, they want to know what's, what's emotional about it. But it seems like accounting, you connect both things. It's like, how does this work? Why is it working? And what can we do like next? So you're kind of like an engineer and a marketing person at the same time. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, marketing's tough actually for accountants because how do you market something that is perceived to be mundane, boring, you know, um, all of those bits and pieces? And I imagine, you know, if you're an engineer, how do you market engineering? Because, you know, what are you really able to kind of show as a, as a thing, right? So uh, it, is, it is a challenge. The way that we, like you say, we try and be in the middle of that. We try and be, yes, we need to be fully focused on process and, 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 and efficiency and making sure that we get accounts in the door and back out the other end, et cetera, in a, in a timely manner for everybody. But at the same time, we want to we wanna be, um, you know, we want our clients to be able to talk to us. We want to be a friend on the other side of the table to our clients. We don't just want to be that number crunch just sat in a room doing the work. So it is that balance, right, between sticking to that process and efficiency, but also being there to, to support your client you know, work with them closely and, and hold their hand through their journey. So there's an emotional component. You're like a financial doula through life. Yeah. And, we, and, and, and you know, a lot of the time we do end up being that counselor, right? Because clients will come to us and, you know, normally this would happen in, in when the business is maybe not in the most um, fantastic fashion, but they would come to us and they would say, right, I need to talk about my numbers. You know, they're not quite going the right way. So we sit down and, and you'd be amazed at the conversations that come out of having that conversation about the numbers. And, uh, you know, even today, one of my team uh, met a client, um, not in a negative sense, but met a client. And I, after the meeting, I said, oh, how was it? And he was like, yeah, yeah, it was great. We didn't really talk about accounts, but it was great. You know, and that, you know, that's the other thing, you know, the accounts for us drive the conversation, but they aren't the be all and end all of the conversation. So, um, yeah, we do end up sometimes being a counsellor or a, a confidant in their conversations. And especially when you see those funky transactions on the bank statements and you have to ask the question as to what they might have done with that money. How has blockchain adoption been in the UK? When did you first see it? And like, how is it now? Yeah, yeah, really good question. So um, so we we started working in, so I've been running our accounting practice for about 10 years now. Um, and about four years ago, we had a, a one of our existing accounting clients, her partner, was uh, setting up at the time. I had no idea what it was going to be, but all this lady said to me was, he's setting up a tech company. So I go to a meeting with him, have a conversation. It comes out quite quickly that they, at the time, they were an institutional OTC desk for crypto, basically. Um, they're now a fully-fledged decentralized exchange on Ethereum, but at the time they were, you know, decentralized exchanges four and a bit years ago weren't really a thing. So it was more of a I guess, a decentralized OTC type thing, right, for institutions. So um, so that was a really, I guess, eye-opening experience because we dealt with the traditional kind of accounting world and tech firms and things like that. And we had no issue with that, but, but trying to understand what was going on here, the movement. But, you know, the, the really interesting thing was not so much understanding the, the accounting, it was understanding the data that we were given because, you know, especially back then, you know, um, you know, now there's a lot of software that helps with the data extraction. But back then, you know, the, the, the software wasn't doing a lot of that heavy lifting. So you had, you've got, a, you know, we were lucky they were building scripts from their system. So we, they were getting their engineers to build scripts to send to us to be able to, for us to, to account. So we kind of, you know, they knew that we were working fresh on it. You know, we were kind of working together. And, um, and, and that was, a, it was, an, like I said, an eye-opening experience because it was fascinating but at the same time it was really new and 
yeah, it, it, it was one of those things where you didn't want to spend too much time, effort and money researching too much about it because you only had one client in that space, you know, and you might have 50 clients that are recruitment companies or marketing agencies or whatever, but you had one client that was crypto. So you had to balance that. How much time do we put into this client to do the right job? Um, but also they're really intriguing and you kind of want to learn more. Um, so that that's kind of how it started. And and what what happened after that was we did the work, we you know, we carried on, we had a great relationship with them, we still work with them now, which is great. Um, and in 2020, when I'm sure we were all pondering what was next in life and what what might happen, um, I just thought, you know, this is an opportunity now to really delve into, you know, I can't go out to the gym, I can't go to the pub with my friends, you know. So, uh, you know, I can't take my kids out anywhere because everywhere's shut. This is a good opportunity to really sit down and start reading, researching, watching YouTube videos, you know, all those bits and pieces and just really understand what this crypto blockchain world it's all about and as most people that do what i did they get lost in it and they get fascinated by it and brainwashed by it and lo and behold <laughs> um they they want to start a company that is in some way related to it so we we then decided at the end of 2020 to launch a crypto only um accounting firm and that was the birth of minor so um from that from that perspective, you know, again, we were we were running into a market and we had no idea really what the size was in the UK. Um, we're doing a bit of work at the moment, trying to work out market size at the moment. And even now it's really, really difficult to, because there are so many people that aren't declaring that they have crypto. Um, you know, it's really hard to actually understand. You know, if you want to know how many people have a bank account, easy, because, you know, obviously the banks have to, you know, KYC their customers and, you know, it's pub- mm. you know effectively it would be public available information to know that sort of information. But with blockchain, you don't have to do that. So it, it's it, even now it's really hard. So I think the UK want to be a, a hub for crypto, like they're a hub for financial services. They want to be a hub for crypto. I think they've got a lot of work to do. Um, I think they've got a lot of work on the regulatory side to do, and I think they've got a lot of work on the tax system as well, um, because at the moment it feels a little bit like they're pigeonholing an existing legislation into a brand new world and hoping that it fits and it doesn't. So, um, yeah, so I think the UK needs to make a decision. Obviously, we're in a bit of a political um, term- turmoil, is probably the wrong word, but, you know, we've got a bit of upheaval. Um, so um, so that it'll be interesting to see what the plan is, um, you know, going forward. But from my from the people I talk to, you know, they, you know, the UK loves crypto. We want to be part of crypto. We want to be a hub for people to come and build and grow and, and all those sorts of things. So we're saying all the right things. It's just whether we act on those, I guess. That's super interesting, man, that the pandemic gave you this opportunity to dive in. Um, and that's a similar story with a lot of people we have on our cast. And where does the name Mina come from? <laughs> so it, it, there's actually a meaning to it. So, um, so when we were, so our, our, business nephos is um so nephologists are uh, it's a it's a greek word and they study clouds and cloud patterns and they they use that data to predict meteor meteor i can't say the word meteorological um weather forecast so not just the weather forecast you see on the telly but you know real high level detailed weather patterns and things so we we turned nephos into we use cloud data to help our clients predict their future and stuff like that, right? So that was where the Nephos came in. So when we then were launching the crypto side, 
um, being the marketing genius that I am, I said, well, why don't we just call it Neffa Crypto? You know, it's just, it's perfect. What more could we want? Um, and then we spoke to our marketing agency and we were like, what do you think? And they were like, it's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Let's try and get something better. So, um, so they came up with a few ideas and one of those was, um, was minor and minor. So, in, you know, we are, uh, we've obviously got a big heritage in the UK of, of, the, of uh, having, you know, big mining um, back in the, you know, in, in the day where they have big mines here where people will go in, you know, and, and, and do a lot of, you know, a lot of work. And there's a lot of towns in the UK that were synonymous for, for their mining as a, as a real, it kind of like it's the whole town or village or city or whatever was, you know, that was what they were about and, and, and whatnot. So, um, and when people were going into the mine, they would use, uh, they would send a canary down first. And if the canary yeah. survived, then they knew it was safe to go in. If it didn't, you know, then they knew it wasn't. So we, so the bird on our on our logo is a canary, and um, the the theory is that we are guiding people through crypto, and we will be their canary. So we will, you know, go into that mine with them, type thing, to support them rather than just throwing them in and, and hoping for the best. So that's the theory behind it. How has it been like with blockchain functionality within your business? Because I know some of your clients were maybe using our drive to store some of their data. Has that, does the functionality of it been helpful? Or is that like a completely different thing from the accounting side? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a different thing. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, a re- it's a challenge, right? Because in, in principle, the concept um, is, is fantastic. And, you know, what we've built together, if you like, the concept of, of decentralized storage for professional services is fantastic, I think. The, the challenge is getting the clients to move away from Google, which they use all the time, or, you know, Microsoft, which they use all the time, or AWS, you know. So that, that's the biggest challenge is how do we take a client from one of those big companies where their whole life is is interacting with, you know, Apple as, as another one. And how do we move those from that ease of use, if you like, in everything they do ecosystem and, and put them onto something like our drive when there's a bit, it's a bit more clunky. And, and I only say that because little things like, you know, Google Drive or um, OneDrive or whatever will integrate directly in your computer's file system, right? So you don't have to open anything. You can just literally drag and drop it, blah, blah, So it's little things like that that trying to get clients to, to kind of change their mindset um, is, is, quite, is quite challenging. So I think it just needs a little bit of time to, to really build that concept because I think the concept is fundamentally really strong, um, especially for, you know, um, audits from the you know from the government so HMRC here um, but like the IRS or whatever where you guys are um, if you can store permanent data so that then when someone comes along and says what happened you can go here it is this is exactly what happened at that time because I stored it you know I, I don't see a better solution to that you know than you know than it getting accidentally deleted off somewhere or you know losing someone losing emails or whatever so I think the concept is great and I think we just need to um, we just need to make sure that the clients are aware, and I think a bit more education around how that works is is the, is the thought process for me. Who are some of your favorite economists? I'm not I'm not an economist, right? I'm not I'm not somebody necessarily that follows economists as a uh, as a thing. For me, the people I look up to, or the people that I I aspire to, are, uh, are entrepreneurial people. So the the people that I love the most are those that want to break 
existing um, kind of business model. So uh, you can imagine Elon Musk, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, people like that that are coming into an industry and saying, do you know what? We don't care about the fact that everybody is going to say we can't do this. We're going to do it anyway. And, and you know those people because they're the most kind of um, hated, if you like, online because they're successful in an industry where everybody said they wouldn't. You know, and, and you know, I drive a Tesla, for example, but they're not the most best built car that you've ever seen in your life. Like, you know, and I drive one. I love my Tesla and I wouldn't change it, but they're not. They're not better than a Porsche. They're not better than a, um, you know, whatever. But they're, you know, they're, he has broken an industry. And, and I think that's fascinating. So that, that's the sort of people that I would look up to is those sorts of people rather than the theoretical, if that makes sense, through economy and, and things like that. That's interesting. And that's kind of what mine is doing. You're breaking the industry with a, a new approach to value and accountability. And, and really being on the forefront of this is you're kind of in that tradition. We want to ultimately what we want is we I think we are at the moment in the UK, the biggest independent crypto accounting professional services type firm. The, the future does hold international expansion. You know, the reason I was in Dubai when we last tried to connect was um, you know, through part of our international expansion, we, you know, Dubai has quite a big crypto hub. So we want to be there supporting those businesses and, and helping them. So international expansion is, is on the plan. Um, we, we want to, as best we can, decentralize our whole business model and, and, you know, our drive is a part of that. Um, so that's going to take time, like we've talked about, but we want to be able to say we don't use Google. We don't use Microsoft. We use, you know, our weave as a platform. And that is our, that's how we store our files on and, and everything we do then becomes, you know, web three based decentralized. Um, and, and we've, we've just launched an NFT um, to try and again, create, take away the, the kind of theory, if you like, that an NFT can only be a, a crappy image or whatever, but actually this NFT can be something really powerful. So we want to build a community. We want to build, um, you know, a professional services NFT. And again, if, if people buy our services through NFTs, we can then start to see what people are buying. And now we can start to talk to them about exactly how they're buying professional services and why they're buying it. You can do that in the, in the e-commerce space with things like Shopify and stuff like that, but you can't really do it in the professional services space. So I think that's another cool way to, uh, to kind of move our business more into the, into the crypto world, Web3 world is by yeah, um, having an NFT series and, and, and allowing our, our clients to, um, to, to buy those or to, you know, to use those and to be able to make decisions on, on how we grow, what sort of products we might do, who, what sort of people they might want to speak to. You know, we, we want to run AMAs and they might say, do you know what? We'd love to get our drive on that AMA so we can really grill them on this, that, and the other. We can make that happen through, through things like that. So yeah, for us, it's about continuing growth, continuing our journey and, uh, yeah, taking over the crypto world really. Thank you for your time and for your great insight. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch and uh, there's a lot we can do together. So I appreciate you, Joe. It's a really great, interesting interview. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thank you for having me. There are a lot of elements to being an accountant and Joe David broke it down well. So thank you. Check out Mina to learn more about their mission statement, how they're helping people. And we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the Yardcast. I'm Andrew. Know before you stow. Oh, and check out our new Cowboy Coder video series. Thanks for listening.